I could stay awake just to hear you breathing Watch you smile while you are sleeping While you're far away dreaming I could spend my life in this sweet surrender I could stay lost in this moment Singing on the cast I'm singing on the cast. What love! I will, I will not join in these shenanigans. Feeling we're back in the show at last. Way to step all over my song, Jer. I'm sorry. I should have done that. I regret that <laughs> entirely. The dulcet tones of your voice. I should have let that roll. Well, you know what? We'll let it slide this time. Uh, hey, everybody! Welcome to Lo-Fi Top Five. Uh, if you if you couldn't tell. It's a musical episode, which means I'm in a real good mood. Real good. Yeah. All sorts of good. Yeah. But funny enough, this is not exactly the episode we thought we were going to do. So for orienting our new friends, uh, my name is JT. I'm a millennial, which means, oh, I don't want to give any musical clues. What's a good musical clue? Like I would say uh, a really good rock band would be, well, my generation would say Green Day, which I will not apologize for, I guess. Well, JT, as a Gen Xer, first of all, I think we actually own the Green Day. Do you? Um, yeah, you know, for you, that's that's got to be like growing up kind of music, right? Eight, Green Day, like Basket Case, you were what, eight when it came out? Yeah, but I feel like you would go Pearl Jam before you would ever go Green Day. Well, maybe that's more telling because to me, they're both sort of in the same window of time. Like, there you have it. Yeah, there you go. I mean, <laughs> I, I still remember cruising the streets of Pittsburgh listening to uh, Evenflow there. So. He's a Muppet in that. He's still, he's still in his Muppet voice <laughs> on that album. But given that we realized that the uh, potential catalog of original songs to movies is so, so large, I kind of want to tell everybody what the, what the dividing line is. So... So as you know, by reading the title of the episode, these are the top five original songs from movies. Uh, we have made a few criteria for ourselves. The first one is no musicals. And this is a bit of a thorny area, but sort of defined as if the song in question is being sung effectively to the audience and they've broken out into song and dance, it's probably a musical. Whereas if they're singing to a, another cast member, it is probably a song in the movie. So to use an example, uh, as time goes by, is in the movie Casablanca, but it is not a musical, even though it is performed in the movie. There you go. And it just so turns out that while doing research, I think I hit the magic number of 52 titles before texting JT and saying... Hey, buddy, we're, we're going to have to find a way to thin this herd a little bit. And I went through a few different options. He's like, buddy, you know, I'm busy this week. Figure something out for us. I'm like, I can do that. So my first idea was only do songs that were the title song of the movie. Uh, like if there was Casablanca, the song, that would be the example. Uh, but then it got really restrictive in an odd kind of way. And then I was like, well, we'll just mean the main song. But then there's a lot of other entries where... Like, you can't really just do that. And then I was thinking again about my buddy JT who said, just go make a decision, man. And I'm like, well, he was born in 1985. I wonder what happens if I divide the list as of Jan 1, 1985. And sure enough, my final split is like 26 and 24 or 28 or I don't know the math. But bottom line is it was a really good dividing line. I like it a lot personally because it gives me all of my 80s love in two different episodes, whereas JT has to pick basically pre-birth songs yep. for his uh, his selection, which I think will bring a fun element to today's discussion. Yeah. So as you mentioned, this is a very busy time for me. Uh, Kiddo One started kindergarten, which was a lot of fun. Um, and we've just been kind of winding summer down because in the South, uh, school starts earlier. And so uh, this worked out for in a weird way for me because... Uh, I can go ham basically 90s and on on this. And I wasn't sure how strong I would be in the 80s in general, let alone before. Uh, but once I had some time to sit down, I was actually 
it wasn't hard at all. And I'm actually really glad we did this because there's some songs that I'm going to get to talk about or at least mention today that absolutely I wouldn't have been able to otherwise that I'm very excited to do so. Well, JT, all I can say is when you get talking, I really, really don't want to miss a thing about what you're <laughs> talking about. Because that recurring, <laughs> that gag will not die. That is that is my dad joke for last week, this week, definitely next week, and maybe a couple weeks after that. Yeah, I believe it. Well, uh, all right. so let's get right into it because we've got a lot to cover. Um, so we'll start with the Shawshank. So the Shawshank is the, our very first episode was the most rewatchable movie. Shawshank Redemption is the most rewatchable movie. There's no argument. Uh, so Jeremy, so for original songs pre 1985, is there a category defining one that immediately comes to mind? That's so good. You don't have to talk about. I have an entry. It's actually funny because I would love to talk about this song, but I think I was trying to take this really spirit, like the spirit of the, of the concept uh, and and I can be I can accept not talking about this song. So I do have an entry. How about yourself? I also have an entry. All right. Well, being that this is my week to go first, yep. uh, and so this is how again for new listeners we give a year, two members of the cast of the movie, and then a five word clue that can go in all sorts of different ways. So here we go. The movie's from 1967. Okay. Uh, the cast included William Daniels and Norman Fell. Okay. And the five words, uh, I will give you one with no clues as to what my theme is this week. If you do not get it from this one, then for the rest, I will tell you my theme. Okay. Okay? Sure. All right. Much less difficult than obscure rhyming with obscure titles with obscure decoding. I promise. That's a good thing. I did okay by the end. You did great. All right. Hiding place. Okay. Candidates debate. Okay. DiMaggio. Uh, okay, so this is Mrs. Robinson. It is from yeah, the graduate. From the graduate. So this is great. So uh, this was in my contender pong because it felt obvious to me, which probably means it sh- could have been easily would have been a Shawshank. <laughs> uh, this is great. Yeah, I lo- uh, uh, I'm I'm a stand for Paul Simon. So yes, sure, accepted. Same. And for me, by the way, the, the, without going to the song, I felt it was the definitive like song that is not just held up. You know, it, it still makes radio play and not just on like the, the classic rock stations. It's just one of those songs like I'm not going to go with everybody knows because there's obviously those two kids on YouTube who are going to react to it the first time and just be blown away by it. But it's just such an evergreen song. And uh, there you go. Okay. Mrs. Robinson. So accepted as a Shawshank, but it's not mine. Okay. I have a different one. Uh, I'm going to say, so let's give you October 6th, 1961. And I'll give you, this is tough. Um, let's do Beverly Powers and John MacGyver. I'm pretty sure I know what it is. And I have it in Pong if I'm right. And it was what I thought you would Shawshank. So my five words were, oh, wait, let me hear your five words. I'm sorry. So I have, I have a game for you. Oh, yes. This I love week. games. Now, since you know this one already, I think this one's not that bad. But this is also would have been potentially a tough one anyway. So for those of you who are new to the podcast, or just to remind those of you who are here all the time, um, I love music. And I'm better at music than I am at movies by a lot. So I wanted to make a game that was surrounded around the music and not movies. So what I'm going to do is my five words are going to be artists who covered the song I'm referencing. Oh, and I've tried very hard to find ones that are at least directional because again, you'll have a date in t- in mind and you'll kind of have some context or ones that like should really hammer it home. So for this one, I went Louis Armstrong, right? Aretha, REM, which is initials. Well, that's interesting because I don't know that any of them have covered the song. Would Oh, and then the reference I would have given for this, uh, Louis Armstrong, Aretha, and R.E.M. Yeah. It would surprise me that R.E.M. covered this song. So, well, should I just say what I thought you were going to do and we'll see if I'm right? If, sure. Why not? As long as It's in Contender Pong. So as long as you don't mind yeah. stepping on your Contender Pong, why no, not? No, no. And I, and I love your game. Uh, unfortunately, there won't be a Lick the Tins reference later, but <laughs> we both know what we're talking about there. The five words I had, if I'm right, were wider than mile, 
and two drifters. Okay, I think we're talking the same song, but I don't know. What do you think it is? Moon River. Moon River. That's exactly right. Yeah. 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 So you got you got my game, right? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm picking okay. up on okay. it. Yeah. It is non-primary lyrics of the song. Yep. But hopefully enough to give you a nod. And that's why I picked that game, because I figured you're Mr. Music and it would put your little mind to a test. But I, I love so REM did Moon River. So REM has a really cool version of this. The one that I always think of. So Louis Armstrong very famously did it. I thought that would be a good hint. And the other one that if I could have fit into five words, because I tried to stick to names or one word a piece, right? Eartha Kit has a beautiful version of Moon River, which is one of my favorites. But that one also felt a lot more extreme. And Aretha, I could say Aretha and not anything else. And that would give you, I, I tried to help. But this is a good. yeah, this is a fun one. I'm I'm pretty excited about this. <laughs> what, what's funny is, and I had it pong mostly to be able to drop the reference of Chevy Chase singing it, which you won't get. But he has a very short moment of Moon River in uh, in Fletch. Fletch. <laughs> yeah. Which you know, because I know I love to put you on the spot. Would just would just kill to hear right about now. Okay. Well, stop trying to make Fletch happen. <laughs> oh, Fletch happened, buddy. Um, <laughs> Good pick. Actually, being candid, I really, I, I actually think it also is very Shawshankable. It's, it's such like a, again, an evergreen song. It, it'll, it'll be here for, for years to come. Yeah. All right. So that means we should get right into the list. And as you said, you get to go first. So Jeremy, kick us off. All right. I'm feeling like with the music game, if you're up for it, JT, I'm going to do the five words thing before all other clues this time around. Sure. Because if, if you would enjoy such a thing. Yeah. Sure. Love it. Okay. Okay, uh, I don't have a particular order this week, so just have how I have them. Actually, I'll go with this one first. Won't defeat. Nothing's worrying me. Okay. The movie's um, from 1969. Yep. Nothing. The worrying. cast includes. Oh, I know it! I know it. Nothing's worrying. Is raindrops keep falling on my head? Correct. From, uh, I don't know if you know this, it's an original song from Butch Cassidy and the, the Sundance, Sundance Kid. Kid. Sure is. When we picked the category, this was the first thing I wrote down, actually. Got this it. was my, well, I think it's it's not super commonly known. I, I figured you would probably know, but a lot of people don't realize it because it, it's such an odd fit. If you know that, yeah. if you don't know the movie Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which is obviously going to have... Some some shoot 'em ups and some bank robberies and all that kind of stuff. You probably wouldn't expect that there's a very beautiful scene of them biking around in in the woods somewhere uh, while raindrops keep falling on my head gently plays in the background. Yeah. The only little trivia bit I'll give here, by the way, is so the song's by B.J. Thomas, who also wrote "Hooked on a Feeling," which is on the soundtrack we both love from Reservoir Dogs. Sure is. Uh, but it was actually written for Dylan. So this was going to be a Dylan song, which I think is particularly interesting. It also, by the way, happens to be written by Burt Bacharach, who wrote Moon River. Oh, look at that little beautiful moment we so, just had. Oops. Nope. I'm sorry. You can. You probably won't edit that out for me. He wrote a different one in my Pong list. I have. <laughs> I, you know, my whiteboard's sort of like that, uh, the Charlie Day meme right now. <laughs> Too much going on. <laughs> Sorry, folks. I, I, I corrected myself before I get an angry text from somebody, though. So uh, I love this song. I love this movie. I love the two of them together. It is the juxtaposition. Almost. Do you remember when we talked about um, uh, the shooting sequence in? Oh my god, the movie about the uh, the Dirk Diggler movie. Uh, I'm blanking. Oh, the Dirk Diggler. Uh, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights, right. The shooting sequence where Sister Christian's playing in the background. Yeah. And like this to me is a similar kind of juxtaposition. It's beautifully used. It's a great song, great movie. And I didn't realize actually until doing my research that Catherine Ross was the same person who was in Mrs. Uh, Graduate. Oh. There's a lot. Yeah, this is like, that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of weird oh. ties between. Man, yeah. I've never put that together before, ever. There you have it. Whoa. Have you seen Butch Cassidy? I have. Actually, you want to know something, okay. something kind of neat about this? I know a piece of trivia about this scene for no reason. Actually, well, I, the reason is because I used to do trivia. Uh, yes, you do. So the stuntman. So in this scene, 
uh, he's like on a bike, right? It's Paul Newman, like yep. riding around on a bike. So the stuntman refused to do any stunts because he was like, they're too dangerous. I don't know how to do stuff on bikes. I'm going to get hurt. And so all of those, it just Newman did it all of it himself. <laughs> wow. Because that's, that. that's just who he is. It's just a guy who's like, yeah, I'll just do it. Okay, I'll just ride on my stomach and on my hands and fall and stuff. Yeah, whatever. He just did it. Because he's Newman. He's Newman. And then he turned into a salad dressing. All right, what's next? He makes great salsa. Uh, okay, I'm going to start with my potentially only controversial pick, but I don't care. Uh, September 4th, 1936. Well, that is a long ways back. Yes, it's quite a while ago. Uh, I'll give you Victor Moore and Ginger Rogers. Uh Ginger Rogers, Rogers would imply we have Fred Astaire in such a movie. You're not wrong. So uh, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers' vehicle from 1936. There's a lot, but let's hear the covers uh, or artists. This one's tough. Um, okay. The two that I picked for the five are Doris Day and Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping the second one would help because she doesn't have a big catalog of music. Yeah, I don't. Is the original version of Let's Get Physical from 1936? <laughs> yeah, it's actually, uh, that was an Astaire original. He wrote it himself. Uh, no, it's not that. He's wearing yoga pants and everything. Rin <laughs> um, Rogers and Astaire 36. It's probably, so, is, it, is, it Ger, is it something by Gershwin? It's not a Gershwin. That's fair, fair assumption, though. And it's not a musical, huh? You managed to find a way. You, you've well, got a way through this one. I have, yeah. You have, okay. So, so there might be an asterisk on the playing field here, but 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 let's go on anyway because I want to hear it. Okay. So this was written by Dorothy Fields and composed by Jerome Kern, who I'm, I assume ah. that you know. We love Jerome Kern. He's amazing. Uh, so this is the way you look tonight. So it's from Swing Time. Swing Time, I would argue, musical. This scene. Okay. Is not, though. When he sings this, it's him at the piano, and she just happens to be in the bathroom getting ready, and he stops at the door and walks back and sings this song. And this song could not be more iconic, I think, if it tried. Oh, I love this song. This is, hands down, one of my favorite, I don't know, old-timey, that generation of, that era of music. Uh, So wait, I haven't seen the movie. But you're saying that that the the song is sung inside the movie from one character to another, exactly appropriate, like uh, without breaking. It's not the fourth wall, but it's like the well, there's the musical no, wall. Yeah, what happens is like literally, it's in context, right? Like they're having a conversation. He all of a sudden she she's going to get ready. He sits down at the piano and starts the someday when I, which chills every time I hear Stone. Oh yeah, no matter who's singing it, by the way, uh, and it, it's just. And then she comes out and realizes that he's singing and they have this beautiful moment. And then she's like, oh, and has to go back and get changed again. Like it's literally in the context of a scene. It's just music happening in the scene. There's no dance numbers. There's no flash. And it's not all of a sudden in color. So I think it's totally, it's, it's bendy of rules for sure. But it fit our, it fit our little vehicle. I, I, I allow such an entry in every way and congratulations on well navigating our little rules. <laughs> this, mostly, mostly appropriately. Uh, mostly right. It's like, it's pretty okay. Look, so this is the list of people that I could have picked. And I want you to know that I did very little research on this song to tell you all these people, right? So my favorite version, Billie Holiday, um, which is a okay. great story about how Billie Holiday recorded this like 10 weeks after the movie was released and she was 21. It's like a really cool sort of like inside baseball, like industry story. But Bing Crosby, Sonny Rollins with Thelonious Monk, Phil Collins, Rod Stewart, Gloria Stefan, Ella Fitzgerald, Charlie Parker, Michael Buble, Tony Bennett. Those are the ones that I found without looking up beyond like scrolling my playlists of music that I have. If you go on, there's a site that I found that's like secondhand songs or something. It's all about covers. The list yeah. is so deep. <laughs> like it goes on for like on a magic pad on an Apple. You're there for a minute and a half, just scrolling through people who covered the song, which makes total sense to me, by the way. I just want to go find the oddest cover of it now. Like it's one of those songs, like a, I, I'm sure there's some like metal ska version or something crazy like that. Yeah, there's gotta be, there has to be, but the main reason. And so this is going to orient us for the rest of my list. Um, I thought about the movies, not even kind of. 
I'm literally picking songs and music that I appreciate. And so this one, not even in relationship to the movie or the fact that it was a good song just for a movie, like literally I just picked my favorite songs of all the songs that I could find that were originals or that I knew of. And this one from the original, the string composition in this, the original string composition by Kern is so beautiful. It's so, so subtle. There's this beautiful, subtle piano that plays. Um, And I also think that this is from a time of lyrics lost, like touches my foolish heart, keep that breathless charm, all these like beautiful adjectives and rich imagery around language that we don't, I mean, it it, it didn't even make it into the fifties. Like that stuff stopped right around then and became different. And it's just like time boxy song, man, put this in a time capsule and just remind people what music is every 15 years. Like it's so good. I think that's well said. I, I agree with you in so many ways. So this is a song that I almost had as our wedding song. Like yeah. I've I've loved this song forever, and I think I, I used to have I used to have this idea, like to me, that this was actually the ultimate love song. Like period. Like any of the other ones, I'm sure we'll have on our list today, and and, and non movie love songs. I, I just always felt like it was like a poem put to some of the most beautiful music in a, and the music holds up like. There's a lot of old timey stuff I like that it's just, you know, sort of like movies. It's just a little, not my tempo, yeah. you know, but, uh, <laughs> great reference. That's a great reference. Thank you. So great pick buddy. Uh, by the way, with you on the, wasn't thinking too much about the movies. In fact, I skirted our, one of our other rules this week is that I have two picks for movies I have not seen, but I've heard the songs. And so I decided that was good enough. Fine with me. All right. All right. I'm moving to a little later. And uh, so the last one was 1969. Moving, We'll go ahead chrono- chronologically. My five words are, and, and I got to tell you, I'm doing everything I can to pronounce them as bland, uh, blandly with as little intonation. So open book and ever-changing world. Open book. What year is this? 1973. Okay. Open book, ever-changing world. This one, you've got me. I don't have any clues so far. The movie includes Yafet Koto and Jane Seymour. All right. Um, Helping not much on the movie front, got to be honest. Uh, I could give you a great cover artist of this song that might be a full giveaway, but just for funsies, I happen to know it quite well, and you you do as well. Okay. Covered by Guns N' Roses. Co oh, covered by Guns N' Roses. What year is this? 73. Okay. Is this... I I have something that I think is either one of us is wrong on timing. I think. Uh-oh. I think, but let's see. I'm going to look this up in real time. I do. I have this wrong. Oh, no. Okay, I do know what this is. This is Live and Let Die. It sure is, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Floor is yours. Um, it's funny because even while thinking about this, I was like, do I like the original sufficiently to warrant the list or do I really love the, the remake? And I sort of came back to actually, I love both very, very much and would happily put on the original every time. So uh, I will say I, I go, I go to, I, I usually try to do a one per franchise thing this time around. I sort of did the, there's, there's some pretty good bond music and sure is. I, I might've had to dip in that well a couple of times, not, not because there weren't enough other choices, but because I think some of the songs are so strong. But this, I think, is my favorite overall Bond song from a movie. Not the theme, but the uh, the songs from the Bond movies. Sure. It's so good. It's such a good buildup. It's one of those early forays into like a song actually having multiple styles at the same time. Yep. Was this on your list? Oh, yeah. We're sharing this one. Top five. Oh, yeah. Nice, nice. So this was another I had a hunch would be somewhere in your world. I wasn't sure how high it would make it, but I, I, I just figured as a music guy, this is one of those music people's like classic songs that actually holds up and hasn't gotten too out of whack on things. 
I actually kind of want to hear hear some of your thoughts on that, and then we'll go back and forth a bit. Yeah, so so this one had to be on the list mostly because of George Martin. So George Martin produced this, and he is very commonly referred to as the fifth Beatle, and for very good reason. Like, he was the production guy from a lot of their stuff. Um, so this is Wings. I think a lot of people sort of forget that. Um, it gets attributed to McCartney because he still plays this all the time. Uh, but the thing with this song is it's um, the way I would describe it is it's high drama. The song mm. is high drama, right? So you mentioned it perfectly before. This is sort of that we have this slow melodic tone. We have the, the dulcet sounds of Paul McCartney. Then we have this thrashy rock and roll moment. But then there's this really beautiful orchestral arrangement that sort of rides through the entirety of the song. Uh, which is sort of just Martin at his absolute best. Like this is, I think, some of his best work uh, because it's a lot. And what's funny is that I think if you think about this song, it's it's kind of anthemic, uh, and which is why Guns N' Roses was a perfect band for it. But it's also right. like a short song. Like I think this song usually cl- clocks in at like under three and a half, but it feels like Queen, right? It feels like The Who. It feels like it goes on for days because yes. of the all of the different ups and downs and pacing. It's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of music. Uh, And to your point, it's one of those songs that like, if it's on or it starts, my little music brain goes, yeah, every time. It doesn't matter which version. I'm like, yeah, and I'm excited. Agreed. And and the place I wanted to take it to, I I like what you said, and it was a nice setup, is that the, the music sounds like a James Bond movie. Yeah. Right? Like... Uh, you know, I will touch on some of the other Bond themes over over this and next week. None of the rest, all the rest of them are just like they're just great songs, but they don't they don't tie in as well to the pacing and action that the James Bond movie represents. Can I answer why? Because I think I know why. Yes, you can. So McCartney was actually contracted to write this song before it was produced or finished. So he like went and read the, like he read the whole thing and they said, listen, you've got to make a song about this thing. And so that's why I think it's, it's, I love that you didn't know that because it means that's how perceptive you were. So that's a compliment to you. But the reason I think this one reads so hard into that is it wasn't like, Hey, make a bond song. It was like, here's a movie and a book, make a song that ties into this particular thing. And he knew the Mm. actors, he knew the production studio Hence, I think you have one of the tightest music to film connections potentially ever made. I that that sounds about right. I uh, I know you haven't seen it, and it won't come up next week because it's not really a song. But it got me really thinking. I the the, the soundtrack from Tenet has been, although I can't tell you anything about the music because it's very modern and it's very hard to describe. It's a very new. I don't know how new it actually is musically, but it, it's. It's different from many other, it's all different from all of other Nolan's work and it's different from a lot of other movie scores as well. And and I've been watching a bunch of like explaining Tenet videos because you need to. And along the way, I keep noticing how much the music really mattered in that story. And that brought me all the way back while I was thinking about this list that when I hit Live and Let Die, it sort of came to me in that same kind of way, even though it's used sporadically in the actual movie. Um, it's it's very telling of the movie, I guess. Yeah. No, this is a great pick, and I'm, I'm happy to share it with you. Uh, just so you know, the ones I was going to give you for the covers that I was going to bring up, Duffy has a great version of this. Uh, Billy oh. Joel did a very fun version of this. Jerry Hallowell from Spice Girls has a fun version of this. And then you covered the one that's obviously most important, which is GNR. I, I, I want to hear that Spice Girls version. <laughs> If you want to live and let die. <laughs> um, so we're back to, this is one of your top five, right? Oh, so yeah. you're picking it up. Coming on back. Uh, I think this is, again, I think the, the lyric choices I've used are either complete giveaways or complete stumpers. Here for today you have Chewing Life's Gristle. Whoa. Terminal Breath. <laughs> I have no idea. It's from a 1979 movie. Okay. I will advance a piece of trivia in case it might help jog it in some other way. It is the number one song played at funerals. Yikes. Which is an anti-clue in a way. The movie included Terry Jones and Michael Palin. 
Huh. Do you know who they are? Uh, no. So they're two members of a six-person comedy troupe oh! that made some movies. Always look on the bright side of life. <laughs> Got it. Nailed it. Yep. This is, one. this is in my Fast Five. Or, well, okay. this is one of the potential entries for my Fast Five. <laughs> so it's from Life of Brian. Yep. Which is literally the only Monty Python movie I've never seen. Don't hate me. What just happened? How is that possible? I don't know, and I don't know why I haven't seen it. It just sort of never makes its way. Maybe I should just watch it tonight or something. I don't know why. It just sort of never did. And I love their stuff, and I've watched Half a Flying Circus and rewatched Grail and uh, Live at the Hollywood Bowl and all their other stuff over and over and over again. For some reason, just never watched Life of Brian. Weird. I never, ever, ever would have assumed that to be the case. But I do love Always Look on the Bright Side of Life as a song. It's in my happy music playlist. And I love that little bit of trivia. It is, in fact, the number one song played at funerals. Uh, yeah, that's definitely like a really good misdirect, but it makes total sense when you hear it. Like, it, it's, it's, that's great. Um, that's, this is a great pick. I, so, I, this almost made my top five, but because I decided to take a very aggressive musical angle, it's, it's just, it's beautifully simple, but it's too simple. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not saying it's the uh, it, it, it's not the greatest song of all time, but I love the message of it. I do like the melody. I think it's really fun. I like that something I can whistle along to, and the fact that they have a phrase "chewing life's gristle." I mean, that's definitely the only time those lyrics are in, are in a song, hands down. Yeah, I think they. I would hope so. There's probably some weird Hungarian death metal band that figured a way to get gristle in there, but uh, for the most part, definitely with that kind of melody. <laughs> now, I believe I when my doing a little looking around, it was covered by I want to say Art Garfunkel uh, for some other movie use in the '90s, but I sort of didn't keep those notes. So let's pass it right back to you, buddy. Okay, it's a great pick. I wouldn't be surprised if that's covered by somebody. That's fun. That's a really fun pick. I like it. Uh, okay, let's see. Where do I want to go next? I'm going to go with December 20th, 1971. Uh, this cast is almost impossible. Um, let me, th- I'm trying to think if there's anybody I can give you. Let me give you the, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm seriously like Ruth Gordon. Does that give it away? Uh, is, it, is it Harold and Maude? Yeah, Harold and Maude. What's the song? So, the song is, if you want to sing out, sing out. That's an original song for the movie? Yeah, this is one of my favorite little Cat wow. Stevens trivias. Yeah, this is a good one. So this is a good one. So, this was going to be a really hard five cover artist thing, which was Wyclef, Yusef Islam, and Ghost Mice, which is why I didn't bother giving it to you, because that's almost impossible. <laughs> Uh, so Stevens wrote this song for, so it's a really, it's one of my favorite little scenes in the movie. Like it's just such a silly little scene. Um, I also happen to really love this movie. It's a really unique song. Funny enough. I have in my little notes, it has a real always look on the bright side of life feel to it. Right. Like it kind of has that sing alongy sort of fun, lighthearted, whatever, uh, but yeah, the, the fun little note about Stevens is he was writing his album, I think it was T for Tillman, uh, and wrote this and two other songs that were never released as singles. They just got put onto this and then eventually got released in Footsteps in the Dark, like much later on. So these are technically had, original songs. I had no idea. Well done. I mean, that didn't even make my movies that were identified of having original songs uh, 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 list. So nicely done in every way i love this song by the way if i if i had known this would absolutely at least be in pong yeah it's a good it's a great to listen as it's funny because i just like kind of picked on always looking on the bright side of life for simplicity but like the simplicity of this song is what makes me like it so much like it's such a it's a beautifully simple song the way it's written the way it's performed it's almost like monotone in certain spots like it's a really fun unique listen like it it sounds like it like it and not a lot sounds like it which is why it had to sneak into my top five yeah, I think uh, my favorite Cat Stevens songs all sort of belong in movies and should be used even more than they are. I, I do really like that The Wind has started being 
it, it gets used here and there, not too much, but just enough. I actually discovered that one. I think this was one of our potential categories one day is the, uh, I, I discovered the wind from Rushmore. Yeah, sure. And yeah. So great one. I think, uh, I think, I think you got me with that one. That's a good pick, buddy. Hey, thanks. All right. Moving on in time a little bit. Uh, we're into, we're into the eighties. Okay. I'll just say that to start. I think this is probably a giveaway with some, with just a few words, but we'll see. Fight, rival, survivor, night, rising. So nothing is happening in my brain right now. Okay. So 1982. Okay. You want to hear the words one more time? I'll change the order. If I change the order, I think you might get it. Uh, yeah, I guess. Rising. Okay. Fight. Fight. Rival. Survivor. Night. Is this Rocky 3? Uh, it is Rocky 3. Eye of the Tiger. Eye of the Tiger. Yeah, okay. This is a great song. Uh, see, with Rising at the end, it was trickier, but... Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So originally I was looking at Gonna Fly Now, which is the Bill Conti score from Rocky One, which actually was a number one hit uh, single in the US. It charted all over and it's, and it's a great theme. The Rocky theme is great, but I sort of, it, it's just not, um, I don't know. It, it's a great theme in the great movie, but not like Eye of the Tiger in that, again, when that comes on, those opening chords hit and you're like, you're either basically immediately changing the station or playlist or whatever you're listening to, or you're rocking out for however many minutes that's going to be like that. This is a all in singing along karaoke every time kind of jam. My, by the way, the the cast I was going to give you was Hulk Hogan and Carl Weathers. Hulk Hogan is a small part in a cool bit of trivia on this movie. And again, I'm trying to keep these really light right now, but Morgan Freeman was almost in Rocky three. Really? Yeah. He auditioned to be, uh, Hulk, uh, Mr. T's trainer. Oh, that would have been fun. Yeah. So yeah, I had the tiger again as not really being a music guy. I know this is probably a schmaltzy kind of like the guy probably wrote it in half an hour while riding the bus somewhere kind of songs. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how much respect it gets in the music circuit, but I like it. And I think it is become an anthem in so many ways for these, any, you know, it will work over any montage that you want it to. Right. Yeah. I, so I have a high respect for this song in movies and like what it was in that movie. Like it, again, tying to a scene, like memory of a song tied to a moment in film, high, high level of respect. Uh, musically, you know, sounds like the early 80s. Like, <laughs> like, it's not a bad thing, but, you know, it doesn't jump out off the page to me as something that I would be like, well, I have so much respect for their artistic integrity. I'm like, cool, you guys made like a fun rock song. I'm into it. <laughs> but they've now probably played it like 5,000 times or something insane like that, right? You have to assume that. I can't imagine how tired of that song that they had to be. Could be. Or they could love it. No, they they can't. (laughs) I have an entry for next week, actually, that is known to be disliked by the the artist. Happens a lot. I'm I'm excited for that one. All right, what's next for you? All right, uh, so my next one, I'm going to... I'm going to jump on this just in case you get it, because I don't want you to get it. So July 27th, 1984, I'll give you Morris Day and Clarence Williams... Oh, oh, you went, uh, okay, so you picked something out of Purple Rain, mm-hmm. which um, I'm going to guess you picked, was it the one by the time? Is it a, it's not a Prince song. Is it one of the Prince songs? Maybe. I don't, I don't think it can be a Prince song because I don't know that those were, I think those were written pre-movie. All right, go on. What do you got? So here's, here's your five. Here's who's covered this song. Fish, Etta James, and Bruce Springsteen. Wow. (laughs) My guess, if I really think about it more musically for a second, my guess is you're going to go with When Doves Cry. 
So it's a good guess, but I actually went I went Purple Rain. You went Purple Rain. So okay, Purple Rain was or was not written for the movie. Was was written. Here's so can I give you a little fun backstory? This is again I love music trivia. So this was actually written for Stevie Nicks, and Stevie Nicks heard a ten minute instrumental instrumental version of it and went, I can't do this. <laughs> She's just like it's too much. It's just way too much. And then. Uh, in writing it, it then got released as part of the movie. So it is an original song to the film Purple Rain. And All right, well played. The, here's, why it, here's why it made the list. One Dove's Cry is an amazing song, too. I started really thinking about, like, musically, this song is incredible, right? Like, just in this particular song, Prince's range goes from, like, a B sharp to, like, a C6. Like, he's just out of this world. Like, he's not a human being. Um, the guitar solo is crazy. The gospel orchestra, like the, the gospel tones in the beginning of the, like just there's so many layers of music here. And so the reason that I wanted to put it on the list and the reason I think it's so amazing is because I don't know that this is my, my favorite Prince song personally, of which there are a lot that I could go into. But I think if you had to show somebody who Prince was as a musician, this song might encapsulate the most kinds of prints in a single cut because there's a couple different versions of prints happening in purple rain there's shredding guitar there's big orchestra there's gospel organ there's super high range there's that melodic low weird androgynous sexy thing that he did all of that happens in purple rain like it's a bonkers song it's nuts dude and like the performance one of my favorite live performances ever is when he did this at the super bowl in the absolute pouring rain with like the huge it's just like it gives me chills talking about it and so this one felt kind of like a given and it's still one of my random things that drives me nuts is this never actually made it to number one because it couldn't get past wake me up before you go go by wham (laughs) I mean that's a pretty catchy, pretty catchy tune there. Oh, great tune! But you know, I mean, Prince. Uh, but yeah, no, Purple Rain is like I just think it's a masterpiece. The the movie, I couldn't tell you a single thing about it. I don't remember anything. I just remember that this wasn't. I think he was singing this not to the girl object in the movie. I barely remember that movie because I remember it being pretty awful. But uh, the music's incredible, and Purple Rain's a great tune. I thought Apollonia was great. Uh, I um. <laughs> I don't really remember the movie, but I know I've seen it like four to 10 times again, eighties cable. That's what we had. Sure. I really thought that this was a, I, I didn't realize this was an original. Well done. Cause this was one of my, Oh, purple rain's going to go. And then I just did like a quick Googling and I clearly read the wrong thing that I didn't recognize that it was, I thought the movie was written after and they used the music to do the thing, but they did not. Uh, and I thought the song you were thinking of was uh, Jungle Love. <laughs> gotcha. O-E-O-E-O-E-O. So I guess not. Uh, nice pick, buddy. Thanks. I think probably, I think it's pretty hard to get around Prince likely being the most talented. Although we had McCartney in here and we got, we got back racks. So maybe he's not the most talented. It's, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty tough list. But my next song is definitely by a man not as talented as Prince. Okay. Okay. I couldn't figure out how to even get to lyrics without you getting it. So the lyrics alone include something weird, invisible man, and call. Ghostbusters. 1984 with Rick Moranis and William Atherton. (laughs) I mean, Ghostbusters. Who are you going to call? Like, who are you going to call has become, like, it would, it's, if this were a movie had come out at a different time, it would be the meme. Right. Yeah. It would be the you had one job. You would have like some you probably have a picture of like Ernie Hudson looking at you like with a who you're going to call. And then like, you know, dominoes or some other weird meme things happening with it. Yeah. Yep. I, I can't tell you that Ray Parker Jr. is uh, he's no prince, you know, <laughs> not quite. but it, it was a great song. This was so big when this came out. And that's part of what I did want to talk about for a second is. The, the, the Ghostbusters song was so insanely big in 1984. It was everywhere, everything. In a way that as much as like Wham! 
How was it pronounced? Wham! There you go. Uh, and, and Prince and some of the other artists are obviously musically up there. There was something about the Ghostbusters theme song that it was just like, and the music video, which had the cast in it, which they didn't do much of at the time, but you know, Bill Murray's like high five and Ray Parker and singing along, you know, it's a, it was a good, good, good old time. It was a good old time. I, so this one isn't anywhere on my list because I knew you'd have it. I was like, Jeremy will figure out a way to work in Ghostbusters and all pretension music nonsense aside, it is one of the best hooks potentially ever written. Like that yeah. whole, who are you going to call? Like the the cadence, the speed to it, it's brilliant. Like it's literally absolutely brilliant. And every jingle since then has just been trying to recreate that moment. It's a great song. It's like a really good song. I, I, I'm glad you think so. Uh, it also... And uh, this will be much more of a theme for next week's episode. It's it's in this era, which I don't think they do as much or as well or as frequently anymore, where the song and the movie, you know, they both kind of capture the zeitgeist of, of everybody, right? Like, and, it, and it, it is a catchy song and everybody's singing it. Again, there was a lot less, you know, micro genres of music back then. You had, you know, you had a handful of channels, a handful of radio stations, and whatever you recorded off the radio onto your cassette tape. And this was one of those songs. And I don't think it happens this way as much anymore. Like when we'll talk about this, like there are some big songs that are attached to movies recently that don't, that where the two together don't capture the story the way they used to. I don't know if that makes as much sense the way I want it to. Does it make sense the way I'm saying it? Yeah, no, it does. Like one that sort of like jumps to mind is, uh, which I hope I'm not stepping on. I don't think it's an original anyway, but it might've been Sunflower by Post Malone, which is part of the Into the Spider-Verse thing, which visually they did a cool job making it feel together. But the song and the movie are, there's no tie. There's no tie-in. It's cool. Like it's a cool part. They worked that. It probably is original now that I'm thinking about it because he sings it in the stupid thing. Um, But whatever. (laughs) Uh, yeah, it is. Because remember, I texted you that I accidentally did all my research for next week already. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's original. So, you know, we can just take that off next week's list of stuff. Not that it would have been in my list or anything, JT. Well, I'm just and saying. I was, I was so looking forward to springing it on you because I didn't think you'd have ever guessed it would have made my list of stuff. Like, I got to be honest, I don't listen to that much Post Malone. That's a good song. But as your point is, if if... If Spider-Verse had come out in the mid-80s with that song, the video for the song would have had elements of the, of the movie. In fact, they probably would have made the music video using the same technique. Yeah. And they probably would have had Post Malone in there as like Spider's, Spider-Man's buddy, like helping him solve the case that happens entirely in the video in sort of a tainted love, uh, in a take on me kind of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they don't do that anymore. And, uh, and I wanted to represent that because I think that's something that my generation really harkens back to when, when it, it was kind of, I, I, don't, I don't know a better way to say this. It was just kind of nice when everything got taken over. It was fun, unless you actually hated Ghostbusters, in which case the summer of 1984 was probably a pretty serious drag. Yeah, that's fair. And I, I really am sorry if I stepped on something for next week, but it, it's it just made me think because I, I didn't I haven't thought of it that way in a long time. But you're right. I remember from my childhood, like there being a direct relationship between the song and the movie and more than just like they're in the video, like saying words, like saying the words Ghostbusters, right. like making it very clear that it was a tie in, not like a, this is a cool song. We'll use it in the movie. This is a right. hey write a song for our movie. It felt cooler. It felt more like, I don't know. That's a really good point that I hadn't thought of. And I think you're, you're right. And now looking at my list for this week and then thinking about next week, like, yeah, there's really like a moment in time where that just flips. Yeah. 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 Cool pick. It's a great. All right. pick. I'm glad you picked it. Cause I, I wanted to be on here. All right. My last one, uh, June 21st, 1977. How about I give you, I don't want to give you the mains here. Uh, how about I give you Lionel Standard and Dick Miller? It's doing nothing for me, but I only have one pick from 77 myself. So we'll see. What are your, uh, what are the cover? 
Okay. Are there covers? Oh, there's covers. There's a lot of covers. Here's the three that I chose. Uh, Hans Zimmer. That's just for you. Tony Bennett. Sinatra. Oh, I don't think that we're thinking of the same song then. Now I'm interested. Okay. Tony Bennett covered this after 1977 is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The big clue is actually the last one. So this is one of my favorite random little pieces of like, hey, you're at a party and a song comes on everybody loves. And you're like, you know, this actually isn't his song because Sinatra gets credit for this song. It's not Sinatra's song. Oh, then that's definitely not what I'm thinking of. I don't have, uh, well, it oddly could be, but there's no way anyone thinks this song is a Sinatra original. Okay. Uh, okay, so wait, now i got to think of it more. So Bennett and Sinatra covered it. What What were the, the year was 77 and the people in the movie I've never heard of. So what if I gave you Robert De Niro and told you Scorsese directed it? Well, now I'm assuming it's Taxi Driver. It's not. It's not. Okay. I, I, but I think you still have me because I'm looking at my the rest of my list. I got nothing on this. So what you got? So this is New York, New York. Oh, uh, so who's the buyer? So performed by Liza Minnelli, and it was written by Kander and Ebb. So Fred Ebb and Joan Kander, who did Cabaret, did Zorba, did Chicago, did Fosse. Like they did all these yeah. musical things. But this was, this movie's kind of in the vein of like a Star is Born sort of deal where it's like a song, like there's, it's a musical in the sense that there's a lot of music in it, but it's not a musical in the sense that they're singing to you by any stretch of the imagination, right? They're kind of like, it's just they're singing in the movie. Uh, This song is, like I said, it's one of my favorite sort of bet you didn't know musical things because as a Yankee fan, and if you've ever been to a Yankee game, uh, New York, New York is sang exclusively by Frank Sinatra. And- Oh, you, you, yeah, if if you had- if you had literally wagered me money, whether or not New York, New York was, was a, other than me assuming you were, you were going to trick me. Right. Like, yeah, for sure. If, if this were like some kind of trivia game, who wrote, who, who's that song? Like, eh, right. not sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my other like cover one that I was going to try to give you is the gremlins, but the, the, the silly thing about this is that Sinatra did the song live at like one performance and it went over so well that he then recorded it on two separate albums and subsequently it's like his song now, but the actual title of the song is theme from New York, New York, because it's from the Minnelli version. And he's done a couple of versions of it with Minnelli live. Uh, it's an earworm. It is iconic in all the best ways as a New Yorker. Like it's just, it's just one of those songs that if you're having fun, drinking some Pepsis at a, a cantina with friends and this song comes on, like you, you have to be moved to sing it. You know what I mean? Like it's got some real Benny and the Jets vibes. Like you have to get into New York, New York, especially as a New Yorker. Uh, the main reason I wanted it on the list though, is because it, I remember when I learned that it was from a movie, a Scorsese movie with De Niro. Like I remember someone right. saying that and I was like, excuse me, what? None of that made sense. I'm like, that's not true. I was like, oh, well, but Scorsese, De Niro. I'm like, yeah, freaking Mickey Blue Eyes. Like, yeah, all right, Sinatra. Like, no, no, Liza Minnelli. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't understand what's happening. Like, it's just all of the pieces that fit into this song being a song that, like, people don't realize is from a completely different part of the ecosystem and entertainment that now everybody just accepts as being, like, a Frankie song, which is great. And don't get me wrong, the Frankie version is, like, the one that I sing. But it's such a great tune, man. It makes me so happy. It also makes me think of the Yankees winning, which makes me happy. Well, I think, I mean, I think that latter association is key. It's one of those songs, like it's associated with good times, right? Like they play it after the ball drops in, in, in Times Square. Yep. You know, it's, it's, I had no idea. That's a great poll, buddy. Love it. There you go. That's all of them. That's all. That's my five. I'm glad that I was able to get you for two. I'm happy I was able to get you for two. All right, let's go to Pong, where I'll start with my 77 pick. And the five words are, Walk, talk, weather, brother, mother. I'm assuming that this is staying alive. It is. All right, cool. So can I give you the five people that covered that that I was going to try to get you on? Because this is a yeah. long too. InSync, Wyclef, Chipmunks, Lizzo. <laughs> I, I, I thought you might have gone with the, uh, I don't even know, Marty and whoever from Swingers. When oh, they, yeah. They, <laughs> all right let me go back to you now go ahead all right 
1980 Savior Universe King Impossible Miracle. Um, is this Flash Gordon? Yes, it is. Nice. Thank you, Ted, the movie Ted, for knowing, teaching I, me that song. <laughs> while reading about it, by the way, and just getting it. First of all, I didn't know Queen actually did the entire soundtrack for the movie. That's awesome. Which I think in, in 2021, given that Queen's like become a lot more popular than they once were, and like they, they kind of died out mid to late 80s um, when the grunge and all that took over, but like really revived in late 90s, 2000s. Ted has a lot to do with this soundtrack getting back into the, to the mainstream uh, and actually it, it, it recharted or something after Ted came out because your generation was like, what is this? I will, I will discover it now. Yeah. The coolest thing though, Taika Waititi's rebooting Flash Gordon for I, Disney. I've heard, I've heard I, anything he touches. I love and, and just while we have a second shout out Mark Fazio. Um, I got to go to Queen at MSG with Adam Lambert, and I cannot recommend that show enough. Like it is, it is a beautiful homage to Freddie, but also Adam Lambert is a monster, and he really makes it his own. And they're so good. Roberts is still so good. It's so good. Go see them if they if touring. Go see them. They're totally worth it. I love that. I I totally get Adam Lambert stuff, and and we talked about this briefly. I still maintain Nate Rule from uh, Fun should put out a solo album covering um, everything Freddie Mercury did. He's, he's the only modern talent I know of that has seems to have the same range and vocal tone, but yeah, that's just he's, me. He's very close. The other one that I told you is Mika who did the song Grace yeah. Kelly, where he actually makes reference to that. I tried a little Freddie. Like he's got the same sort of big belty range. Uh, all right. My next one is this one was tough. I almost used this in my top five, but I couldn't get, I just couldn't sneak it in. So June 11, 1975, I'm, I'm going to give you only the, the people in the movie are completely irrelevant. As far as I was concerned, I'll give you the people who covered it. Randy Crawford, uh, Teresa Carpio and Tracy are the best three that I could get to. Nothing. All right. So it's a 96 on Metacritic. Did you ever see Nashville? I haven't. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of Altman stuff for no good reason. I should, I should have as, as a movie guy, but I have not seen Nashville though. It uh, it popped up in my '70s movie trivia thing the other the other week over and over again. Yeah, so uh, Keith Carradine wrote "I'm Easy," and this is a like a Grammy and Oscar winning song. It is a incredibly beautiful song. It's a great great piece of songwriting. Beautiful guitar picking. It's just him and a guitar. It's an acoustic like love ballad. It's amazing. Uh, but I have never seen the movie and didn't really care. I was kind of like, yeah, but it's a great song though. <laughs> Fair enough. Next up, and by the way, there's no, again, this is one of those weeks where I think many of the Pong picks could have been top five. Sure. Many of the Fast Five picks could have been Pongs. Like these are all, all 15 of these final picks will, I could, I could listen to right now pretty happily. Yeah. So 1981, Cot, Moon, Crazy, True, Love. Cot, Moon, Crazy, True, Love. I don't know. I could have made it massively easier if I had simply said Cot, Moon, New York City. It's still not, it's still not happening for me. No, this is Arthur's theme. The best that you can do. Oh. Then you get caught yeah. between the moon and the New York City. City. Yeah, okay. By Bert Bacharach. There you go. Fixing the previous flub from earlier. There you go. Today. That's for you, Bert. Uh, this one, I think... I think this one I wanted to put on here for you. We'll see. Uh, June 22nd, 1979. I'll give you the people that I like that covered it. Willie Nelson, Sarah McLaughlin, the Glee cast. This might be a musical. Hmm. <laughs> I'm guessing. So I'm guessing this is a musical. And it's a song that I really wanted to put in and sort of play too hard by my own rules. Is this uh, is this Rainbow Connection? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Yeah. For some reason, I don't know if this is a thing we've talked about or this is just a thing that I know you well enough to know. This song feels like a song that you love and that like has some level of, of like real appreciation for. And I don't know if it's because you've told me that or just because like I, I believe it. But it definitely is a musical. But I remember watching it as a kid and just thinking it was a movie. And that's why it's not my top five. It's definitely kind of sneaking it in, but whatever. 
Uh, yeah, this definitely is like, I don't know if I can tell a story without getting a little, uh, little quelled up over here from our guy cry stuff. But, uh, the shortest version ever is the first movie I took my son to was the Muppet movie reboot, which, which had a version of rainbow connection that is nowhere near as good as the original, Right. but still that song. And the original is also in that happy music playlist, which by the way, is literally called the happy music playlist. Um, but Rainbow Connection is absolutely uh, a, a one of my favorites. Love it. Great. Okay. Uh, 1983, Steel, Stone, Take Your Passion. 1983, Take Your Passion, Take Your Passion. Mm, it's not happening. <laughs> I wanted to say Take Your Pants Off because this is one of those songs where people get like, uh, there's a bathroom on the right. There's, right. This yeah, is... Yeah, yeah. In that category, this is uh, what a flash dance, what a feeling. Oh, okay, that's great. Yeah, yeah, flash dance. I thought of that because there's another movie that starts with F that I thought of too. We'll talk about maybe later, but uh, okay, that's a great one. Well, All you right. were thinking of fame, which I declared musical and fame. didn't include. Oh, it's actually not also, also Irene Cara, by the way. Oh, both songs by Irene Cara. Yeah, I did not know. Yeah. All right, uh, I think this is my last contender problem because the, you had them elsewhere. So this was December 19th, 1980. Uh, the only two people I could find that covered this, this is a tough one, Robbie Williams and Allison Krauss. I know both those people. What was the year? Uh, 1980. No idea. Okay, nine to five by, by Miss Dolly Parton. Nice. I didn't know. Uh, it's a great pick. It's a great song. It's great everything. Yep. So I have one more in Pong, and this has been promoted out of the out of the Fast Five. And this doesn't this doesn't really deserve its place. But I once I started doing this category, by the way, this song has been in my head the entire past few days. Okay. So uh, from 1983, Long Way Down, Jack Nimble. Uh, okay. Um, long way down made me go Tom Petty. It's not Tom Petty. Jack Nimble made me go Rolling Stones. It's not that either. So I have no idea what this is. The song is called Holiday Road by Lindsey Buckingham, and it's from National Lampoon's Vacation. Oh, Holiday Road. That one. Okay, yeah. that's a great song. Uh, that's an original. That is an original, and let me tell you, I have been humming it for at least 72 hours now, and yeah. That's a good earworm. It's a, it's a great earworm. Yeah. Yeah. So right. that's, uh, let's, so we're at Fast Five, and somehow it should be me, but I just went. Well, what did be, we do wrong? No, you, you and I shared some Contender Pong stuff, like some of my Contender Pong was yeah. in your top five and so on and so forth, so we're good. All right, I just thought I messed up the math. Okay, the next five. Uh, Never Ending Story, Great. song by Lamal. Sure. Uh, Goldfinger <laughs> by Shirley Bassey. Uh, Nobody Does It Better, another Bond. Yeah. And Endless Love from the movie Endless Love. Endless Love. And then the fifth one was, the, the one that gets now promoted would be uh, The Way We Were which is just a beautiful song. It's held up really nicely. Theme of that movie, etc. Yeah, beautiful song. All right, my Fast Five, which is, I can't believe we had absolutely no duplication in the Fast Five. Uh, Shaft? Theme just, from Shaft? Just theme from Shaft. Uh, what's New Pussycat? From What's New Pussycat? Uh, Good one. One of the Good best, one. worst songs ever. <laughs> Great job, oh, yeah. Mulaney. Stand, stand up about that. Footloose from Footloose. That's an original. That was the F movie I was talking about, not Fame. That that's the next one down. Yeah, the very very next one. Uh, then up where we belong from Officer and a Gentleman was an original with Joe Crocker. Love that song. <laughs> uh, funny thing on that is I after cementing my list, I decided to do the googling and the researching and the and the wikiing, and I saw that one. I was like, oh no, how did I miss it? Yeah, so that one is definitely was a Google for me because I didn't know I, I was I gave that a Goog, and then this next one I also learned in real time because of researching this. But great, great song from the movie Honeysuckle Rose, which I've never even heard of. On the road again. 
Oh, interesting. That's from a movie. Is an original, is a, is a movie original, which I had no idea. That's just, to me, is just like a good old-fashioned Willie Nelson song. I don't even think he recorded it for that movie. No, he was. I think he was in the movie. But still, it was. I was like, oh, I had no idea. Great song. By the way, this is one of those episodes where I just kind of want to keep reading my list because I love all of the rest. It, like this, I, I'm, Can I cheat for just two more seconds? Yeah, run through them. Okay. I had I'm All Right from Caddyshack. Great. I just, I wanted it. I also had, by the way, both Spy Who Loved Me and For Your Eyes Only. Great songs. Great songs. Blazing Saddles, which was actually nominated for an Academy Award. Sure was. Uh, And then finally, I had Princes of the Universe, which is also by Queen from the Highlander movie. And I just decided I wouldn't do two Queens, two Queen songs in the same ep. I didn't know that that was from a movie. I know that song, though, (laughs) which is yeah. I actually, it's funny. The thing I learned doing this, doing this whole thing, is how much more of Queen's music is from the '80s than the '70s. I really thought they were predominantly a '70s band. It's really more like half and half. Yeah, Queen. Yeah, they had a really good run in the '80s too. Uh, dude, I'm so happy we wound up splitting this, just because I'm so excited to do this again next week. Like this stuff is, I I love this so much. So next week it's going to be January first, 1985 to present, and we're going to do the same exact thing. With maybe even more singing than this week. I mean, it's it, I wouldn't count it out, you know? I just, I would not count it out. But JT, you know what I think everybody's thinking about next week, though? What? They really, really don't want to miss a thing. I just, I, if there was a way for me to cut the mic <laughs> in real time and just go to dead air, it would have been that moment. But I can't because I have to thank everybody for hanging out with us and ask, hey, listen, rate the podcast. Tell your friends, right? Like share, 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 share. We're having a good time. You're having a good time. Uh, ratings mean a lot. It gets us in things. I don't know. There's like stuff that happens in technology. We appreciate it.